Welcome to The Cottage Chronicles, a podcast for writers, readers, and creatives. Today, I want to talk about having beta readers or what some people call test readers or an advanced reading group to help with your story development, maybe your editing and uh, your overall storytelling. Uh, This group is so important. I have my own set of beta readers. Uh, It's a very small group. It's a very uh, selected group of people. And I have found with each book and with each attempt at finding beta readers that there are certain things that are so important in order to have quality feedback from this group of people. Not only feedback, but it's so important to do a couple of things in order to hear back from these beta readers at all. What I, when I talk to authors, what I hear the most is that they struggle getting their volunteers or getting their group of beta readers to respond, to read their book and respond to them. Most of the time they fall short at even getting the reader to read the book, Um, whether it be a section or the entire novel. uh, Most authors I've talked to that have struggled with their beta readers, they just, they can't get their volunteers, the people who said they want to be a part of that uh, group to even read the book. So I have three main steps that I always recommend for beta readers. And I'm going to go pretty in depth with each one uh, because this is such an important step. Once you write your novel, having a group of people that can read it and give you really good feedback is so important. Um, This is how you know if your story is done well, if it's written well, if things are getting across the way you meant them to be. Um, So let's just dive right in because these things are so important. Number one, uh, is always be clear on your start on your start and end dates. For a lot of my beta readers, they don't have a lot of time uh, necessary to devote to this, or maybe they they have sometimes a lot of time, but not a lot of time to read. Um, they are they say you know I I have time to read, I can do this for you, but they might only have time a little bit of time every night instead of like a weekend that they can devote to reading this book. And so I have to be very clear on the first day that I will be giving them the manuscript, when to expect the manuscript, and then when my kind of due date is for them. Um, In in many cases, I've gotten beta readers. I send them the manuscript and I said, if you could get back to me, I have a list of questions I want to ask you when you're done reading. And I just kind of left it at that. Let me know when you were done reading the book. I have some questions for you. Uh, That turned out to be just too vague to almost non-committal on my part as the beta reader or as the author to the beta reader. And what I found is that people were like, great, I totally plan on reading this after I finish this other book or once this event in my life is over and they never got around to reading it. So one big thing that I do now that has been so valuable and has really weeded out those who can be a beta reader for me and those who want to be, but really can't do it has been to be clear on my start and end dates. Uh, For example, Uh, My book, These Favored Shadows, is in the beta reading stage right now, and I was very clear, I will send you the manuscript September 1st. I need you to be done with it by September 30th. In addition to that, I gave them other uh, information. I said, you know, this gives you a whole month. I hope that's enough time. If it is not, please let me know now. And I, I sent them a link with some other expectations, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, But then I said, I plan to publish October 12th. This gives me, you know, however many weeks to do rewrites and edits based on your feedback. And so I was very clear um, why I needed a due date for this project. I was clear on 
what time frame that gives me as the author to use the feedback that they give. That way, if someone is late, I can say, thank you so much. I appreciate your feedback. At this point, I may or may not be able to get in in time. Or you can say, you know, thanks for being willing, but it sounds like since you can't get it done in time, I might need to find a new participant in the beta reading program. So just being clear in your start and end dates is huge. Letting them know when to expect the manuscript is important. I think a lot of people, um, maybe they might set an end date of when they want it done by, but then the beta reader is kind of hanging on, okay, but when am I getting this? When can I start on this? So be clear on when you're giving them the manuscript. Some people, it might be electronic, so it's easy that way. I know for my beta readers, they prefer hard copy. They want to sit and write um, little notes in the columns for me in the margins, and they want a hard copy. So I do that for them. What I've found is for um, hard copy, you usually tend to get more notes. You tend to get more edits. Um, I, I do have someone who is an editor for my books, um, which is me, <laughs> me and one other person. Um, I do editing for other authors for their novels and their nonfiction. And so I also edit my own books, um, but I have a second pair of eyes as an editor too. But what I have found is if someone has a hard copy, they are more likely to circle typos and find those little mistakes and writing corrections than if they have electronic copy. So that is just a little, little tidbit, little hints, little piece of advice that if you, even if you hire an editor, even if you have combed through it with a fine tooth comb on your end, if you give someone a hard copy, they're more likely to circle or point out, point out those little typos that they find, which is so helpful and incredibly useful to have another pair of eyes looking at that. All right. Number two, um, relay expectations. This is very similar to, you know, being clear about your start and end date, but by relaying your expectations, again, you're setting your beta reader up for success. When you have a group of people pre-reading your novel, number one, they're going to feel special that they get to be a part of that. And that's amazing that, you know, it, it feels like a privilege when you get to read someone's book early, that you get to be a part of that. Number two, they, they need to be honest with you. And for some people, this is hard. It's hard to give criticisms or it's hard to say anything negative, like, because you feel privileged and you feel special. You feel, you feel prized for being asked to read a novel ahead of time or asked to give feedback. Um, but you need someone who's going to be honest with you, very straightforward with changes or confusing parts or things they didn't like. So you as the author need to set them up for success. Again, you don't want anything in this process to be vague. Otherwise, beta readers are going to probably not be as excited to read the book. They might take longer getting to it and then miss their due date. You just don't want any vagueness. So um, typically for me, relaying expectations, start date, when I'm going to send the manuscript, the due date, we've talked about that. Um, it's also expectations of the book. I send a little synopsis. I let them know what kind of content there might be. Um, I have a young girl named Natalie, uh, who is a beta reader for me now. She's one of my, uh, newest additions to my group. She is young and I don't, I don't remember her exact age off the top of my head. And the school year just started. So she either is going into fifth grade or she's going into sixth grade. My books in my mind were always for young adults. That's the category, the genre I put them in They're They are young adult fiction novels. And so I always worry that this content might be a little too mature for her. There might be some more uh, dark or thematic or dramatic themes that maybe might be a little beyond her understanding or, you know, might confuse her a bit. Um, so she loved my original trilogy. She understood it. She has a very 
very high reading level. And so she did great, which is why I asked her to be on my beta reading team because she was a younger person to whom I was writing for a little younger than I expected, but she loved it. She was very, she was very excited to join the beta reading team, but I'm always very clear on what she should expect when reading the books. I relay that to her parents. Her dad will read the book before her and gives feedback as well. Her dad is part of the beta reading program, but I need to be very clear with, it has this kind of content. It's a little darker. There's a little bit more violence, you know, things like that. I need to be very clear about Uh, my original trilogy had a lot to do with cutting suicide, mental health. And so I, I was very, very open about that right off the bat, that these elements are there. Please have a talk with your daughter as she's reading this, please know what she's reading. And so it's just good to relay those expectations of what they're about to walk into, especially depending on the age group that you're working with. Um, Other expectations. um, Again, I, let my readers know that I would have questions for them. I have specific questions for my beta readers to help me with feedback. Sometimes they don't really know what kind of feedback you need or what to tell you. So you need to, again, just be very clear. Don't let there be any vagueness or wonderment on their end. I love that word wonderment. Uh, So for me, I list out questions. I put them on a Google form uh, and I send that with an email or in a letter. I do a lot of handwritten letters. When I hand someone a manuscript, they'll have a handwritten letter, but I write down the website, just the shortened URL for that Google form. So they can easily look at the letter, type it in and review the questions that I have. Um, this is important to have this set up ahead of time. You want this set up, um, before you hand things off to your beta readers, because you want them to know what's coming, what to look for as they're reading. They may choose not to read the questions in advance and that's fine, but this way they know my, my expectations are read the book. I get it on this date, read the book. I need to be done by this date. And I have these questions to answer. So again, just relay all those expectations. If you have other things that you need from your beta reader, please let them know that too. If you expect to receive your manuscript back, talk about, are you picking it up from them? Do they need to mail it back to to you. If they are mailing it back to you, provide them the postage that they need, provide them, you know, the box or the bubble envelope that you want the manuscript to go in, make it as easy on them as possible, or else it's going to be really easy to lose beta readers or not have as much involvement in the feedback as you might've wanted. All right. And number three, my final point here, do your prep work. Um, As an author, especially if you're self-publishing, you're wearing all the hats, you have all the responsibilities. So preparing for your beta readers is one of them. And we're kind of just talking about this, but besides just relaying your expectations, have everything ready for them. Um, Have your manuscript printed if they're going to get a printed version. If not, if it's digital, make sure it's ready in a PDF. It's nice. It's pretty. It's ready to send off. Uh, Don't, you don't want to send them a manuscript and then a couple of days later, be like, oh, sorry, I, I made some changes here. Read this one instead. Doing that, asking them to read a different manuscript or, you know, stop what they were doing and switch gears. I mean, that just makes it more difficult for them. It makes it more hectic. It feels very disorganized. So do your prep work. Have your manuscript ready to go. Know how it's going to be delivered. It's okay to over-communicate. I am that person who wants all the details. If you ask me to be your beta reader, I would say, great. How do you want to send it to me? When are you going to send it to me? When do you want it back? How do you want me to send it back? Are you going to pick it up? Do I need to drop it off to you? Okay. If, if so, when, like, I want to plan all that out in advance, I want to know. 
Um, so do as much prep work as you can. Again, with questions, if you're asking your beta readers to answer some questions for you at the end, have those already written down, send them in an email, already have your Google form created, send it to them with the manuscript. Uh, if you want book reviews from your beta readers, add that in, make that part of the work that you do in advance. It's very important, again, because you're making it easier on them, you're making it easier on you by doing the work ahead of time. The more seamless the experience, the more beta readers will want to do this work with you. Um, this is a community, it is a team effort. My beta readers, I have two who talk to each other and that's it. I maybe have a handful of beta readers and only two, well, I guess there's two groups of two that talk to each other. Natalie, who I mentioned and her dad, they both read the book so they talk about it. Um, and then I have two others who know each other who talk together. But as much as they could all get together and talk about this book as they're reading it, the group of them, they are not going to talk that much, but it does provide a really big sense of community. It makes them feel like part of a team. It makes them feel like something bigger. And I call them that. I say, you are TK Johnson's beta readers. You are here. You are the Laurel Vaughn team of beta readers, or you are the this team for the next series of beta readers. You know, I make them feel like they're part of this team, even though they've never met each other or that they talk often. Um, and that's part of the bonus for them. They want to feel that. And it's exciting. And again, you feel privileged being asked to be a beta reader. So just make it easy on them as you can. Um, one other little bonus thing uh, that I want to mention, be sure to thank them. I think a lot of authors forget to do this. They forget to actually thank their beta readers for reading their book. But that's a big commitment. We don't think of it. We don't remember it sometimes, but it's a big commitment to sit down and read a book for someone, especially one that maybe isn't fully fleshed out, that has those typos and errors that still need fixed. Uh, so thank them. Uh, for me, if financially possible, I like to give them a little gift if I can. Sometimes I, I get creative on what I do. Um, feel free to give them a free book after it's published. Uh, it's always a great thing marketing-wise too, if you're self-publishing to send a free book to your beta reader and say, please share this with your friend. Please, please share this with someone that you think would love the book. Uh, most of the time, my beta readers don't want a free book. They want to go support me and buy it, which is absolutely amazing. But if you give them a free book, then they can share it with someone else too and kind of help spread the word and grow your audience a little bit, which is fantastic. All right. So you might be wondering now what questions to ask your beta readers. What what do I ask to get a better story? I could do a whole nother video on this, but why, why bother? Let's just, let's talk about it now. Um, let me actually pull it up because I want to read these straight from my beta reader form. <laughs> and that's what I call it. I call it my beta reader form. Uh, Google forms. I definitely recommend because it's very easy to use for your beta readers. It's very easy to create as an author. So I do recommend it. Um, right off the bat, excuse me, for me, I, I go in and I put a little, a little beginner, uh, paragraph, sorry, I'm losing my words here. I put in a little paragraph thanking them again. Thank yous are important. Thank you for reading title of the book as a part of my group. There's specific feedback that will make this novel better because you read it. Please answer the questions below. Be as honest as you can. Okay. Let's just pause right there. As you choose your beta readers. 
you have to, again, you have to find people who will be honest with you. You have to find people that aren't scared to tell you when something didn't make sense, when something didn't feel right, when this place part was confusing a character that they didn't like and why they didn't like it. Uh, if you find someone who just loves what you did, oh, I just love it. No, I can't recommend any changes. You do not have a good beta reader. Your book can be amazing, but there will always be something you can do better. There will. Even, I mean, I look at best-selling authors. I read best-selling books. And I'm like, they could have done better at this scene. They, this chapter could have started better. You know, there's always something you can do better. And no book is perfect. That's fine. But that's what you have to remember. No book is perfect. So if you have beta readers who are telling you, oh, I can't recommend a thing. It was amazing. Number one, they either didn't read the book or number two, they're too scared to tell you what you really think. Go find beta readers who will tell you what they really think. And you might say, oh, TK, but it's so hard to find people. Don't be afraid to ask strangers. I mean, I started with going to social media and just saying, friends and family, I've written a book. I need beta readers to give me feedback. Who's available? Of course, I got 10 people who responded and one person who actually read it. Those 10 people, they still have my old manuscript. Now it's a very old manuscript at this point because I went through another year's worth of edits and rewrites. So it's a very old version. But I had one person who actually read it. And that one person, thankfully, was very honest. Um, since my first book and going through the process of beta reading, I'm on my fourth book now. I just mentioned that I can't wait to get this book off to beta readers. And I had people from Bookstagram, BookTok, you know, Instagram and TikTok book community reaching out to me saying, I would love to be a beta reader. Is there any chance you would let me be a beta reader for your, for your new book? Can I be part of that program for your new book? Uh, so you can ask strangers and sometimes it's better to ask strangers because they will be honest with you. Any feedback you get, you can choose whether you use it or not. You don't have to use that criticism or that feedback. You don't have to make the changes that this person recommends. It's your book. That's a great part, especially of self-publishing, but you do need to look at why they might've said that and decide if you agree or disagree, but it's still better to have changes that you decide not to make than having someone who doesn't recommend anything who says, oh, this book was great. Oh no, no changes need to be made because again, that means they probably didn't read it or they're too scared to tell you what they actually thought. That that's my two cents on that. All right, let's keep going through these uh, questions that I typically ask my beta readers. First one, who was your favorite character? I make it multiple choice and I list all my main characters right, right down the row. Uh, number two, why did you like them? This is like a long or short answer question where they can type out or write down. Why did I like this character? Um, here's some example for Sharla. When Sharla, my, my friend and beta reader, when she reads my book, she'll say, I loved Hazen. He was a smart aleck. He... He was sarcastic, you know, he flirted with other girls, but yet there was deep pain inside that he slowly let you see. He was so human in that way. Uh, and yet the plot twist about Hazen and who he really was, oh, that got me. So that's some feedback as why I like a character. Uh, another piece of feedback could be, I liked Ara. She was pretty and brave. And it can be as simple as that. It can be, she was pretty and brave. That's why I liked her. And that's fine. That might be all you get for feedback for why someone liked a character, why that was their favorite character. But it's just enough insight to know, okay, this person, that's why they liked them. Um, overall, again, with Google Forms, because I love Google Forms, it will make a chart and you'll see, you know, who was the most favorite character, who was the second favorite character. 
um, from all your beta readers. And so you get those kind of statistics and data and numbers, and that's really helpful to look at too, because maybe you wanted Nil to be the favorite character, but everyone liked Hazen and Ara instead. Well, that tells you, okay, something about my book, something about the way I wrote my characters, Nil was my favorite, but Nil was not anyone else's. If I want him to come off as the best person in the world, to be everyone's favorite character, what do I need to write differently? And you'll have that feedback then of, well, Hazen and Ara were these favorite characters because, and they'll list their reasons. Well, there's your cue as to how to make a favorite character and how do I make that apply to Nil if I want him to be everyone's favorite character? Hope that makes sense. So scrolling on down, uh, my third question is, what was your favorite part or your favorite scene? Why was that your favorite scene? For this, it can be all over the board, but for the most part, what I find is that my readers tend to have the same favorite scenes. It's between usually two scenes in the whole book that make it their favorite scene. Again, when we talk about why it was their favorite scene, this is another great opportunity for rewrites that you might need to make or some edits. Um, I've had people that say, this is my favorite scene because of this but I wish it went longer. I wish it didn't happen so quickly. I get a lot of that in uh, some of my feedback and it's fantastic. I love that they said, this was my favorite scene. Like this action scene was my favorite, but it went by too fast. Or I don't understand why so-and-so made the killing blow and not this other character. And so that's a great time for feedback. Um, I, that continues on here a little bit. Um, so the next question, who do you consider to be the main character? Now this might seem dumb, but it's important. Your book could be called Aragon, but if someone's reading the book and they say, you know what, that Brom was my, he felt like the main character to me. Well, you didn't write the book Aragon very well if Aragon wasn't the main character. Hopefully you know what book series I'm actually talking about. Um, but this is great because this helps you understand, is my main character the main character? Is my protagonist the protagonist and my antagonist the antagonist? You know, that's what this question helps answer. Um, also right after that, what did the main character want most in your opinion? I asked that question because it is so important to every book to be clear. What you're writing is a person. What do they want most? Did they get it? Simple as that, but having that come through, having it be clear, not always so simple. So I say, who did you think was the main character? Uh, in this case, in my book, these favorite shadows, the correct answer should be Delric. What did he want most? Now there's kind of a couple answers you could have to this and they're okay. When you start the book, what he wants most is to become a master, a master of the house of beasts. As he goes through the trial to become master, what he wants most then is to be a good dragon rider, to control the magic of a dragon rider. And so either one of those answers is fine. So what did the main character want most? One of those two. Then did they get it? Did they get what they wanted most? And there are three possible answers. I only let them choose between these three. Yes, no, or it was hard to tell. I couldn't tell. Um, because either the character gets it, they don't, or the reader was confused and they don't know what you wrote. Hopefully you don't get any, it was hard to tell. Uh, in my case, I'm not going to answer that out loud because the book's not out yet and that would be a spoiler. All right, the next question. Did the world of Laurel Vaughn make sense? That there was magic, how it worked, uh, the beasts and animals, et cetera. 
if you are writing a fantasy or fiction novel where you're in a new world, it's not, you know, an urban contemporary, you know, something. If you're in a new world, even if you're in our world with magic involved, you want to ask, did the rules of the world make sense to you? Um, when you're writing a different world and world building, there are different rules that apply. Religions, politics, magic and how it works. You know, science might work differently. Gravity might not be at play at your world. So you want to ask that question. Did the world I built make sense? And then give a few examples. For me, I did like in paragraphs, how magic worked, that there was magic, how the animals and beasts were different um, because those were, um, animals are like animals that we have here on earth. Um, you cannot talk to them. They do not speak to you, but then there are beasts in Lorivan and they can speak mind to mind with people. So I want to make sure that was clear that there are animals that are not to be harnessed or hunted. But then there are beasts who are a level above animals. They are on par with humans. They're, you know, they have rights. They're civilians of this world and they can communicate with you. So I want to make sure those world, those rules make sense. Ask those questions. All right. And here's this other question that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Was there a scene or scenes that didn't make sense? If so, please share. And so this is kind of two in one right there. Um, if one didn't make sense, tell me about that scene. What scene was it? And why didn't it make sense? Um, one of my beta readers just the other day said, yeah, when they're fighting those animal things, you know, the ones that are sick, I thought, Delric still had a broken leg, but he was running away. How could he run away if he had a broken leg? That was confusing. So we were talking about, okay, exactly which scene. And no, he was riding the dragon. He wasn't running. So she was confused there. Uh, she missed that he was riding on the dragon and not running himself on his broken leg. So I need to go back, reread and see, is it just her? Was she rushing through that section? Or was I not very clear? Did, it, did I make one little statement that was just too quick? that you felt like that character was running on his broken leg. So that's a good example. Um, all right, going down to the final questions here. Were there any scenes that felt too slow or too long? Please share. This one is so important. It's good to have a balance. You want to balance between action and excitement and then a little bit of a lull where you might get some more character development, uh, world building in here. This is more of your show don't tell moments as well. Um, but you want to know if it was balanced well. Um, if there are scenes that are too slow or boring, I know I've faced that in books. I faced that in bestsellers where I'm like, okay, you're describing this mountain. I don't care. I want to get back to the characters. That's what that's what's exciting. I don't want three pages of the description of a mountain. And so I hurry past. Now, if you've read Lord of the Rings, that's that's different. I mean, it's Tolkien. You you got to read it for the artistry. <laughs> but um, there are definitely scenes in my own books so where I've been told this was a little slow or the dialogue was too choppy that I just wanted to skip until it felt like they were talking about something good. And so you need to know where those moments are that they can be slower moments, you know, when it comes to what your characters are doing, but they can't be slow that they're boring your reader, that they just want to skip the whole chapter or find the next section of dialogue. Um, one of my beta readers admitted to me and I admitted then to her that we are both people where if we start to get bored in a book, we skip ahead until we see dialogue again. So any description, any narration, if we're getting bored, we just look for the next like set of quotation marks where maybe there's dialogue back and forth between characters and we just jump to that part and then we keep reading because we got bored with the narration. So those are the things you want your beta readers to point out. It's very important. 
All right. Uh, last two questions. Did you feel there were too many unanswered questions or just enough to keep you intrigued for a sequel? If you're doing a sequel, you definitely want to ask this. If you are not doing a sequel, if maybe you're, this is the final book or one-off, um, I would still ask this, still say, were there too many things left unanswered? Um, my, my answers for that, I give them multiple choice. It's too many left unanswered, too many things were answered, but there wouldn't be anything else to write about. Uh, like nothing would intrigue them to come back if there were a sequel or good balance. Many things were answered, but enough to intrigue, intrigue me to read more. Uh, that one's again, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but if you want to write a sequel, you need to leave them hanging a little bit. If you, it's a one-off, you don't have to answer every question, but you want to make sure you answered enough of the questions that a reader might have that they felt like it was a wholesome ending. Even if you're doing a sequel, you still need a pretty wholesome ending. You can leave someone hanging, but you can't just chop a book in half and be like, Oh, two books ending here. Start here. You can't do that. You still have to end it with a few of the questions answered. That's just good writing. All right. And then my final thing, my final question, little short answer box for the reader is please provide an overall review of what you think of this book. This may be used later for marketing purposes. I point that out because I want them to know I may use this to help promote my book, market my book. Um, but this is your chance to get reviews. It might not be on Amazon. It might not be on Barnes and Noble, but it's your chance to get reviews that you can use. You can share, you can put their name underneath or say, you know, advanced reader feedback, advanced reader review, beta reader review. You know, you can use that to market and promote your book. Also, it's a good way for you as an author, as a whole to say, what do they think of this book? That's like the one little sum up that they can give you. All right. I hope this has been helpful uh, when it comes to beta readers. Uh, again, the three main points, number one, set and be clear on your start date and end date for your beta reader when you're giving them the manuscript and when you want them to be done reading it by. Number two, relay your expectations. Let them know if you have questions they need to answer. Um, if you want them to do a, a phone call with you to talk about the book, whatever your expectations for your beta readers are, relay that to them. And then number three, I just blanked. This is terrible. Number three, do your prep work. Uh, really, it's the foundations, number one and two. Do that prep work so that when it's time to talk to a beta reader, when it's time to invite them to be a part of that program, to read your book early for you, you have everything laid out, ready to go. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope it's been helpful. If you have advice as an author for beta readers, if you want to be a part of a beta reader program that it sounds intriguing to you, um, visit my website, tkjohnsonbooks.com. Go to podcasts, find the Cottage Chronicles, and you can uh, send me a message, leave me a comment on this episode and let me know what you thought, advice you have as well. Maybe some steps, if you're an author, steps that you take for your beta readers to, to get good feedback or make sure that they read your book. And of course, if you're interested in being a beta reader, I have authors, friends who need people who are looking for people who will be critical and yet understanding of their work, who will read the book in a certain time frame. Everyone's a little different, but if you're interested, please do jump on my website. Again, that's tkjohnsonbooks.com. Message me. Uh, I'd love to add you to a list either for my own books or for a friend to reach out if they uh, have a book and they need a beta reading team. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Cottage Chronicles. If you're interested in references or resources mentioned in this podcast or have questions for the host or of interest in being a guest, 
please visit tkjohnsonbooks.com.